Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net to Sanderson. For the first time in 39 years, the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like Eddie Shore. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Great Scott! Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm not going to the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 136 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Crew and Scott McLaughlin. Two more games in the books, two more wins. Bruins are now 17-2. and An beyond incredible start to this season. Uh, a couple of nights ago, they, they had one of the more dominant games you'll ever see between two professional hockey teams. It looked like it looked like um, they were literally in two different leagues. I'm talking about the Bruins versus the Blackhawks. So I'm sure we'll get into that game when we bring up different players and talking points. And then obviously tonight, uh, the Bruins defeated Tampa Bay 5-3. to three. They were up 5-1. They got a little bit complacent in the third period, let Tampa climb back into it a little bit. But by and large, it was another just kind of like um, lopsided game. Patrice Bergeron recorded his 1,000th career point, and for somebody who is known for their defense, I think that this really this milestone really helps illustrate to people around the league who might not watch Bergeron for the last 15 years, like we've have had the privilege to, just realize how good offensively he has been as well. So um, I'll throw it to you guys, but the Bruins are just everything's going is it's going their way right now. Yeah, and with. Bergeron, when you put in the perspective of being only the fourth player in the nearly 100-year history of the Bruins franchise to get a 1,000 in a Bruins uniform, joining Ray Bork, Johnny Busick, and Phil Esposito, it's like, wow. Like, that's that's quite the list to be on. Uh, overall, in, in all of NHL history, he's the 94th player to do it. So you're talking about a club of less than 100. Um, you know, obviously he, we know he was already a hall of famer. It's just another thing that gets added to that along with the Selkie record and winning a Stanley cup and just the longevity and the remarkable career he's had, what he's meant to the Bruins for, you know, two full decades. It's, it's crazy. And, And it's crazy to think about like how his career has progressed to you know the point where obviously in recent years he's been such an offensive catalyst in addition to uh you know still being a selkie trophy caliber defensive center um you know for years his line was kind of the the one b to Krejci's one a when you had lucic and horton in the fold 
and then, you know, Lucic and Aginla for a year. And then Bergeron ends up on a line that turns into the best line in hockey for years with Marcia and Pasternak. And it's like, he can just do it all. Like you put him in any role under Claude Julian. He got a ton of defensive zone shifts under Cassidy. It started shifting more to offense. It's remained, you know, more offensive tilted under um, Jim Montgomery, the way he's adapted on the power play to really master bumper position. That wasn't even really a spot that teams were using when his career began, um, you know, kind of, really started becoming common. I think around like early, early 2010s, maybe like ballpark that range. And he took that on for the Bruins, saw it as, you know, an area where they, you know, where he could fit, where they obviously needed someone and has mastered that. Like now he's, he's a weapon on the power play. You, you know, you, if you're going to overload and take Pasenak away, he's going to get open in that bumper and score. And it's, um, yeah, just a, just, a remarkable career and this is obviously just another another milestone along the way it's crazy to think that like he's he almost like hung him up this offseason and luckily decided to not like he's clearly still playing at a level that's at you know st- still in line with some of the best players in the nhl like it, I, I think he could go another year after this we'll see if he does um but it, it's crazy and you mentioned the him playing the bumper on the power play even against Tampa Bay it almost felt like they were they were trying to cover him so much that they left other options open so like he's somebody that just like draws the defenders in because they know he's so dangerous there in in the bumper yeah I mean that that low pass uh like right across the top of the crease that was open quite a bit tonight and um they do score one goal off of it uh from DeBrus to Pasternak but yeah, part of opening up that lane is having uh, a weapon in the bumper to to draw that defend that defenseman out a little bit and not have him be able to kind of stay as tight to, to the goalie. I mean, I think uh, I guess I'll give my two cents on Bergeron because I think it's just a natural place to start, and we can dive into um, you know more of the last two games in in detail. But it it, it is crazy to think about how long he's been doing it and how he is he just ages like fine wine out there it's like his production has not has not decreased it's 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 even or it's gone up it's like you know i think back to when he was a rookie like i was in third grade and you like you think about the line mates he's had over the years he you know started off i think it was michael nylander and maybe sergey samsonov maybe as initial kind of set in stone line as a pro. And then over the years, like obviously, you know, guys like Recky and Sagan, Marshan, Yager, like even funny, little, you had Nesson was showing his first career mm-hmm. point because uh, Raycroft was actually the goalie for that game. And it was Raycroft's first career shutout. Um, it was Ralston's but, goal, right? He said, yeah, on his line goal. that night was with Ryan Ralston and PJ Axelson. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. pretty sure it was their third line. I mean, but like, he's played with so many good players over the years, but he's also played with a lot of like pedestrian players and still made those lines really solid. Like I'm, I'm talking guys like Brad boys, um, you know, uh, Chuck Kobasu. Um, like there's just, there's just random players over the years where it's like, uh, you know, Riley Smith is another example. Like they're all, they're good players. Marco Sturm, they're good players, but 
whatever lineup he how had. How dare you always... besmirch Brad Boys? No, no, Brad Boys <laughs> no. was a good. He was a good player, but he he always found a way to elevate. Even those years when he wasn't playing with guys like Marshan and Sagan, and yeah. it just doesn't matter. He's doesn't matter. It was really nice to see too the the tribute video that they had posted for him. I'm not sure when they recorded it because I think it felt like maybe even. I don't know. It had to be recent because because Crosby had that stupid mustache. But um, so I think it was kind of recent that they that they had like Ovechkin, Patrick Kane, Crosby is is a bunch of guys that also have a thousand points filmed the video for him saying congrats, like enjoy, enjoy your celebration. It was really nice to see. Um, and so it had a lot of great players on it that are still in the league that had the 1000 points which was really really nice and I love that they all planned beforehand Marshawn was saying they all had it planned that when he scored his 1000 point they're all just going to rush the ice and jump on him which they did so you know you don't get moments like that very often I wish it was when Scott and I were there it was like a home game and we could have witnessed it uh, because that would have been really nice but it was still um, really exciting to to see them all just completely mob him and also in the same time just know that they're all just so genuinely friend like friends with each other and, and happy for him that it was just a good moment yeah the, they were trying to get it get him in on saturday clearly they were like i mean obviously that game was a blowout so like the last five seven minutes whatever whenever he was on the ice they were just feeding him everyone's just trying to get him the puck um also on the celebration, it reminded me one of my. This is like weird, but one of my, my favorite weird things in sports is when you get like the group of hockey players together like that, and like the guys on the edge of it are just like jumping in place. It, it just looks so funny. <laughs> like Taylor Hall, is that who we're talking yeah. about here? <laughs> it's like there are there are a few guys doing that. Yeah. 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 But no, it, it's yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Bri. No, no, no. I was just gonna say it's uh, you know, it, it it's just really, really fortunate to have uh, for us to be able to watch Bergeron. And you know, Bridget, I know you mentioned there was a some moments of uncertainty this off season if he was gonna come back. I kind of always felt like he was going to. Um, well, I'm. I mean, we're gonna go through the same thing this off season, and I feel like here's the thing: like they win the Stanley Cup, does he go out on top? Or does he go, oh, okay, we could run this back? <laughs> That's what I don't know. <laughs> it just it just depends on uh, – we'll have to focus on next year, next year. But there were definitely I, – I think he had a 1,000 set in his mind this offseason. I think that's something he wanted to accomplish. And obviously, he knew that the Bruins were going to have a really good team this year. But, I mean, Stanley Cup champion, they're going to rename the Selkie after him one day. He has – I think he has four or five Selkies. Five. Five and he should have at least he should probably have seven. I mean, there were a couple of years there where he was a finalist where they just gave it to somebody else to spread the love, and it's like, well, that's not really in the spirit of a trophy. Uh, you know, two time gold medalist, I think, in the Olympics, and he has, he has, I mean, first ballot Hall of Famer. So, um, any any final thoughts from you guys on on his milestone before we move on? No, I think I think we can get into the game. All right, so yeah, uh. I, my my biggest takeaway from the last two games in general <clears throat> is uh, Jim Montgomery, and we've touched on this a little bit in the past, but 
Jim Montgomery seems to really like, and for good reason, that check line of Krejci, Pasternak, and Pavel Zaka. And we, we, we mentioned it in preseason, they looked good, but it's tough to gauge preseason because it's mix and match uh, lineups. And when uh, they went to them again uh, in the Chicago game, and I was kind of surprised because I thought, I thought Hall was playing with some juice and he looked like he was bringing the, his skating legs. And even then, in amidst of a rout, Montgomery went to the check line and to start tonight's game in, in, in Tampa, and unless there was some, there was some juggling because of injuries or whatnot, um, he went back to that line again for the whole game. So obviously that means that with, with DeBrusque, with Marshan and Bergeron, you have Krejci, Pasternak, and, um, and Zaka, then that puts Taylor Hall down to the third line, which in name surprises me, but I do see the chemistry between that, those three, those three uh, countrymen. Yeah, I, I do. Um, and I thought they played well again Monday night. Um, I still wonder if, if, I mean, let's remember last year, the Bruins started with Holland Coyle together on the second line and it didn't work. They never really clicked. I still question whether that's really, a, you know, a good match. If you're going to have Hall on that third line for anything more than like a game or two here and there. Um just because, like, the, I, I don't think Taylor Hall like, is really suited to play this sort of slow down, hold on to the puck, you know, cycle it type of game that Coyle and, and Trent Frederick are going to play if they're on that line. Um, and, you know, maybe Jim Montgomery sees something or maybe he wants to put Hall there to try to force him, you know, to kind of play that way a little more. Like, it could be something like that. Um, I still think ultimately the, you know, I, I do think the best fit is with Hall in the second line, but it, I, I, like I said, this on the recent podcast, it's like everything Montgomery does works. They just keep winning anyway. So it doesn't matter. Like whatever. I, I don't know. Make Tomas Nosek your top line, right wing. Like who cares? <laughs> They're going to win anyways. And he's probably going to get a hat trick if you do it. So, um, and every, everything's working now. So like, like I've said before, like you have the luxury of being able to juggle stuff up and uh, put guys in different places. You know, Jim Montgomery has said he wants everyone to be able to play with everyone. So you, you can obviously take this time now to do it while you're rolling. So um, yeah, Zaga has definitely been a fit. Uh, but I thought he was a fit on the third line too. So it's not, you know, it's not like he wasn't clicking where he was or whatever. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Try it out and see if, see if Hall can get going with, with coil and see if, you know, they can develop some chemistry so that even if you don't stick with it, you at least have that in your back pocket at some point. I have so many thoughts on this. I have. So first of all, the other day I was saying, I wanted DeBrus to go back on the first line, which he did. Um, I just think he's more suited for that role. Um, and that just, in in my mind, he's a factor on that line and less of a factor um, when you throw him back on the second or third line. I did think Hall, uh, with that third line with Frederick and Coyle, did have some decent chemistry today. 
Um, I thought it, it it didn't look bad. It, and and Hall made a nice play where he did slow slow the puck down, waited, waited, was patient, got it to Frederick, and then ended up in the coil goal. Yeah. Um. So that was that was a really smart hockey play that Hall made. Just having the sense not to jump the gun and shoot it, and you know, wait waited for the right option because he knew there were guys coming trailing behind him, and he and he waited. Um, to make the right pass to Frederick, and then it ends up with the goal. So I, I didn't mind him playing there for today. And also, it's almost like, all right, you got the first line, and then your second line is also kind of like a first line. And then your third line, if you have Taylor Hall on it, it's more like a second line. And so you're just kind of like, everything is very front-loaded. And, and you have at least one really skilled player on all three of your lines, if you have, you know, say like Marshawn is your guy on the first line, even though the whole first line skilled, Pasternak's your second line, most skilled player. And then you got Taylor Hall on the third line and you just have it come like spread out all those guys that bring that, um, those different levels of, of high caliber skill. Um, and I also feel like you have kind of a balance of like guys with really good hockey sense and, you know, playmakers that are going to get your assists so like coil is good at setting setting up people for for goals um at Krejci obviously Bergeron obviously and it feels like those kind of guys are spread out throughout your top three lines as well so it almost feels like with Hall there is on the third line there is a certain balance um when you have with Zaka with the second line um, it might not work forever, but that's kind of how I felt about it today. And then, uh, sorry, you can, go ahead. You can cut me off. I yeah, have more no, to say, but <laughs> yeah, just before you, we get off the, the hall and the third line, like you're right. They did score. I just thought that was kind of the exception to the rule for the night. I thought other than that, they really struggled to generate and spent a lot of time in their own zone. Um, Bruins got, out attempted nine to two when they're on the ice and scoring chances were seven, one for Tampa. Um, you know, that goal was the only scoring chance that they created as a line. Yeah. I just, I just could see that there was potential at least with coil and hall more so than we had seen previously. I thought that it looked better. You know, I, I think either way, whether it's, the third line of the second line that Hall or Zaka are on, you know, the last two games are just, it's a good microcosm of the depth that the Bruins have because against the Blackhawks, they had 11 players record a point. And obviously the Blackhawks are a basement dweller lottery team this year. Right. And it's a home game, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well then they go on the road and they play Tampa, which is a much stiffer opponent, obviously. And they have, 12 players record a point. So it's they're getting it from up and down a lineup, but that also tells you that they're getting scoring um, uh, at five on five too, not just the power play, not just their top guys. Um, I, I, yeah, so I, I'm interested. I, I, I am interested in the in the Hall Zaka thing. I, I thought it was kind of random, but because uh, I, I also thought that Zaka was playing well in the third line like somebody else. Bridget, I think you mentioned that, or maybe it was Scott. I, I forget, but. Anyway, I thought it was worth bringing that up for uh, for a cup of coffee. Um, you know, I'm looking at the box score the last two games. It's kind of tough to pick a place to to start or a player to to talk talk about because everybody's pitching in. Um, I think 
to stick it uh stick with the forwards for a second um david Krejci, he just continues to look more and more comfortable uh the 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 goal against the blackhawks just another shift where the Bruins were just they 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 were in motion without the puck. They were just doing whatever they wanted. The Globetrotters out there and and Krejci is the beneficiary of a, a a nice one touch pass from AJ Greer in a slot and um, scores an old time slap shot one timer, which he tried to one up again tonight and did so. He did. But, you know, great goal against the Blackhawks. Uh, I think he had two goals against the Blackhawks, right? Oh no, one. One. Yeah, goal it was the, the game Blackhawks. before that he had two. Yeah. So four in his last four, or four in yeah. his last three, four. Four in his last three, yeah. Yeah, four in the last three. So just thoughts on on uh, on him looking a little bit more comfortable, guys. Single handedly bringing back the slap shot. I, I tweeted that you know it's fun. It's funny because I don't know if you guys saw, but uh, Fluto Shinzawa wrote an article uh, in the Athletic about sort of like the the slap shot dying as a specifically like as a shot to to score off, it basically like. Okay, there's one timers on the power play, and defensemen will take slap shots, you know, to get rebounds or tips. But like, no one's taking slap shots five on five to score. And then all of a sudden, you get Krejci doing it twice in the last two games. You know, stepping into stepping into a one timer and then just teeing up the the old school '80s slapper like from the wing off the rush. Which, I mean, it was a good shot, but like, I, I don't know how that beat Vasilevsky. I'm sure he wants that one back. Um, no, but it's yeah, a low a, percentage shot right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, yeah, it was interesting because like I thought I would have figured he keeps that shot low because he had Zaka coming down the other wing, charging the net from the left side. So I, I would have figured keep that low and maybe get the rebound kicked out to Zaka. Um, instead, he just you know, puts a top corner. Um, but yeah, just in general, like good to see him with more jump and whether it was goals or assists or, or just better play, even without a lot of points, like we had talked about it, you know, he, there were times that he had looked a little slow and just not quite up to NHL speed. And I think you're seeing that change. And I think getting these goals, helps with that like it, it all kind of combines and and i think probably gets him into you know a better headspace where now he's playing with more confidence and you see that right like you're not teeing up that shot if you're down on yourself and you feel like you're playing like crap uh you tee up that shot when you have some confidence going and you're like yeah why not um so yeah the, i think you know it's i wrote this at the time when like when that second line was struggling. It's you can't say like they needed him to get going because again, they just keep winning no matter what they, they don't need anything, but uh, you did want to see him get going. Obviously he's going to be very important going forward. And, and now, now you're seeing it. Well, Scott, one of the things I found really interesting about your one-on-one with Taylor Hall was that that was one thing that he talked about that people hadn't really been talking about. Um, and he, he's, like in a very nice way, subtle way, kind of just said like, oh, Krejci, you know, it's taken him a little bit of time to get back to NHL speed, like in the nicest way possible. And, I, and you know, it, it's true. It, it didn't, he didn't come back. Re- not that he was off by a lot. Like you say, he's now he's at a hundred percent. Maybe he was at 85, 90%. But I just thought it was interesting that Hall 
did go there. And now we see the, the turnaround, I guess, or the, the step up back to where we know he can be and where he has been in the past, even more so. Some people over the years have annoyed the hell out of me when they're saying, oh, yeah, Krejci's not a goal scorer. Krejci, you know, like people who don't understand the role of David Krejci. But when he's scoring, guys, don't give me this shit. Don't, don't, don't do that anymore. But yeah, no, it it's nice to see him actually getting the the production um, and seeing him step back to a high level. I think this season, most people on this team are higher level than I can remember in a while. Um, like obviously Nick Foligno, uh, David Krejci's looking better right now. Uh, Jake DeBrusque looks great. Uh, you know, most people you can name on the team, you're seeing them play almost at their highest level. So, yeah, everybody's. Yeah, no, it's it. Connor Clifton. Exactly, yeah. Clifton's another one. Derek Forbert when he was playing, you know, it's. Linus Allmark. Yeah. Yeah, Lindholm, yeah, Allmark. Like you can just keep going. I think when um when Scott mentioned earlier. Even though they're winning, it was you still kind of wanted to see Krejci pull through. I think it's because we all know, well, he's one of the major differences to the lineup this year. Otherwise, you know, if he's not playing to his capabilities, then how much different are they are they from last year? Obviously, you have Lindholm all year and whatever, but we just knew how important Krejci was to this to this team's aspirations this year. Um, so it's important to know that he was feeling good about himself, and I think he even said himself after maybe the Blackhawks game or the Flyers, but he mentioned that the NHL is like 90% confidence. Um, so, you know, he, he's feeling good about himself. Um, was from it the day I was behind him making like resting? You know what? Face? I think it may have been. I, <laughs> I got like pushed in the scrum, like right behind <laughs> him. And then I was just like, I saw myself on TV and I was not happy with the face I was making. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. That, that, that may have been the scrum. I, I saw that in. Uh, from one David to the, to the next, I do want to quickly uh, touch on Pasternak because he's, uh, he's third in, third in the league in scoring third in the league in goals. And, uh, while he's been a top five scorer all season long, the goal production was probably a little bit less than maybe what he would want, but he's got three goals in his last two games and, uh, he could have had like five or six goals tonight. So it looks like he's from a goal scoring perspective, he's about to start to take off here. I think, uh, again, just like we talked about with Krejci, the importance of passion, not just all year, like having that elite guy. I mean, they have, they have more than one elite guy, obviously, but, uh, just kind of in a contract year seems to be fully healthy to start the year for the first time in a couple. Um, just like, just his game being taken to the next level here. Yeah. Andy, uh, responded to a fan flipping him off. Monday night after his goal. How did I forget um, to mention that part? Yeah. Flor- Florida man flips off David Posternock. Right. <laughs> uh Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been incredible. And like, he went through like this stretch where he, I think he had what, like one goal in a six game span or something, but he's still putting up assists. It's like, he's just making things happen, whether it's five on five power play, scoring himself, setting up like, He's, you know, he's been hanging. I mean, McDavid's, you know, put some a gap between himself and everyone. 
but he's been hanging right there with Drysaddle like all season. They've, you know, I think he's back within a point of him uh, after Monday night up to twenty nine. Drysaddle's at thirty, depending on what the Oilers do. But um, yeah, I mean, he's he's right there as one of the top point scorers in the league. You know, what was it three years ago when he was, uh, you know, wins a share of the the Rocky Richard. Maybe like the goal scoring might not be there. Well, you, you know, we'll see. He's what like fifth or sixth in goals, but the playmaking, like he, I think he's taken that almost to another level where, it, you know, he's not forcing a shot because he thinks that's his job. He's, you know, he's dishing all over the place to to everyone and up to, uh, you know, I think it's eighteen assists now. Scott, you got to look this up because you're our, our analytics guy, but how many expected goals does he have? Because I feel like he could have scored so many more than he did, and this is this is a Scott statistic, so I'll, I'll let you find that out. If you don't already know it, because I feel like I, you already know I it. I don't know it. I'll have to look it up <laughs> while you guys talk. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's he's he's third, third in goals with um, 12 now, so he's third in the league in goals. Um McDavid has 16, Bo Horvat has 14, and Pashnak is tied with a couple for 12. And then with points, he's 29, Drysaddle's 31, McDavid's 35. Bridget, did you have uh, comments on, on Pashnak? Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to, like, elaborate on it because it's kind of just easy for people to see how well he's playing. Like, it's, it, I mean, he's, he's playing great. Uh, he, just like the rest of the team, seems to be really enjoying his time. I, I He's one of the reasons why Krejci came back. One of the reasons why Bergeron came back. Um, you know, they're all just kind of playing for each other right now. So pa- pasta is just kind of like he's pasta. It's hard to it's hard to really just say what people don't already just see on the ice with him. Well, I'll tell you who the biggest pasta fan right now is, and that's his agent. You know, I mean, he's about to he's about to be a free agent. He's going to be a top five scorer in the league right now. So. His agent's uh, going to get a nice little percentage chunk. Yes, exactly. Yep. Pasternak is sixth in individual expected goals with 9.9. I'd point out that the different, the most of the top goal scorers end up above their expected goals because part of why they're one of the top goal scorers is that they finish at a higher rate than you would expect. Ah, uh, see, there, there we go. Thank you, Scott. Um, another projected top goal scorer in the league, Nick Foligno, Uncle Nick. I knew you were going to say that. I don't know. You're winding up. I was like, it's going to say Foligno. <laughs> Uncle, Uncle Nick, he's just, he's just at it again. You know, the, he, he's, he parks his ass in front of the net after getting a puck, puck in the mouth during morning skate, get it stitches. And, uh, you know, again, the Bruins had a, we haven't really touched on their first period, but they didn't, they didn't play great in the first period tonight against Tampa. They, they had, they had sea legs a little bit. Um, but they weathered the storm, no pun intended. Oh, you think they were like on a yacht out in Tampa or something? I don't know. I I think they I think they all chugged Dayquil or something. <laughs> Scott, <laughs> that's maybe, an maybe Brady's. Joke. Does he? Does Brady still have a yacht down there? Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Felino's power play goal after Krejci's uh, slap shot goal was it? Was it Felino's goal to give him the uh, the two one lead on the power play? Yeah. I yeah. mean, guys, this 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 guy just keeps bringing it. Uncle Nick is proving his doubters wrong. Well, by the way, it wasn't even just like, you know, power play goal in front of the net. He dove for it 
like landed on his stomach. It was a full on like all out effort play. Yeah. And right after he sees a slap shot fly by him, the same thing he saw in a morning skate that he, got him all stitched up. He also had to go back down the tunnel at one point in the game. Yeah. Um, but he had four stitches from getting hit with a slap shot from Hampus Lindholm. And I did you hear him talk after the game, Scott? Because he he said that it almost hit Strawman in the face and then yeah. but it hit Felino instead and he and Strawman told him, I'm glad it hit you instead. <laughs> so yeah, so he's just a hockey player. Uh, he gets yeah. a few stitches, not gonna keep him out of the lineup and he's still going to dive head first that's for the puck and and try to put it in by the way w- worth noting that because you just mentioned felino br- briefly going down the tunnel trent frederick also left the game and didn't return suffered some sort of upper body injury there's uh Bruins tweeted a photo of like the whole team celebrating in the locker room and he looked to have some sort of sling or something like around his arms so that's uh, that's but, interesting because he hit hip first into the boards it looked like he well i guess he hit his full side against the boards but yeah it his, i think like, it was his left arm was kind of he definitely like jammed it as he crashed into the boards so yeah i was always worried at first that it was something with his hip um just because like like i said he went his that full left side went right into the boards yeah, so we'll have to see. So that's, you know, another something else to keep an eye on. Obviously, if uh, if he misses time, then that means either, you know, Craig Smith gets back into the lineup or maybe Jacob Lauco gets recalled. You know, he's been down in Providence for a while now. So um, it would be unfortunate because I feel like Frederick's been playing pretty well and is, you know, ha- has been having one of his better stretches where regardless of what the the points are, he's just been playing, I think pretty consistently from shift to shift and, and bringing what you need him to bring, which is, you know, physicality for checking. He's been skating. Well, I think he's been making good decisions with the puck. So hopefully for him, not anything long-term. Yeah. He assisted on the coil goal too. Um, Like we mentioned earlier. So, I mean, that was a heads up play to get, you know, the puck to coil down near the post, but yeah, he's been playing better. Um, I did want to mention that he did like, like you just did that. He didn't come back into the game, which is concerning. Obviously Um, we'll probably find out more about it tomorrow. They have a game Wednesday against Florida on the road. So I, I wonder if we'll see him that game, but, um, but yeah, I guess that could, could complicate things because it's a road trip. So if you have to, recall someone you gotta get them on a plane and get them to florida but well, i'm pretty sure Craig, if you wanted lauco yeah. i'm saying if you wanted lauco yeah. um yeah smith i think made the trip but um which maybe makes him easier but is he is he fully recovered and this is more i think so yeah i think he's ready to play and he's he's just been out of the line because greer's been playing well and i think montgomery just hasn't Felt what, was his, to, what was his injury again? I forget what his injury was. Uh, he had some sort of upper body injury. I think actually, I, I think he like suffered a crack. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, switching gears real quick, guys. Do you know who leads the Bruins in points the last two games with six? Yes, because I tweeted about him. You son of a bitch. Let's, Let's talk see if Bridget about, gets it. 
Okay. All right. Bridget, do you know who it is? Wait, what did you say? Six points? Six points in the last two games. It's not pasta? It's not pasta. Okay. Oh. Just just say it. <laughs> Chucky. Chucky Cheese. Oh, Chucky so Cheese. So it's just a sign. You know, I, we talked about Hampus Lindholm, rightfully so, all year in the absence of McAvoy uh, and just how you have a stud number one left shot defenseman. Um, you know, with with McAvoy getting six points in his last two games, I, was, I don't have it in front of me if somebody wants to look up his totals on the year now, but he's probably got, if I had to guess, he's probably got, what, 10 or 11 points in seven or eight games? Nine points in six games now. So he's over a point per game. So you, so you have you have Lindholm and McAvoy at over a point per game on the blue line, and it just goes to show that he looks like himself. The, the first game against Calgary, he was, rightfully so, he looked like he was a little bit out of sorts. He still played fine. Uh, and maybe even the second game back against Buffalo. I think that's who the second game was. But um, he just he looks to be back. The only thing we haven't seen out of McAvoy yet is one of his patented like you know um, you know body checks, stepping up on on somebody and, and catching him with an open ice hit. But I think that'll come when the opportunity presents itself. But from a skating perspective and moving the puck, and he seems to he seems to be uh, getting back to to who he is. Yeah, and on the power play, obviously, as soon as he comes back he pretty much gets all the time of the top power play unit. Um, and, and he's a good quarterback up there as well. So, and you want to know who I almost guessed was DeBrusque because DeBrusque had a few assists today and, and he had one last game too. So, um, yeah, I mean, DeBrusque been playing well, like contributing points wise as well. But yeah, so Mac- McAvoy, once again, is another one of those players where it's like, okay, he's kind of just doing the McAvoy thing. Like he, he's able to assist on the plays. He's not noticeable in the defensive zone unless it's for a good reason. Um, Yeah. And he's, he's eating a lot of ice time, obviously. Like since he's come back, Clifton has gotten less ice time. Other guys have gotten less ice time. Lindholm still does get some power play ice time with the second unit. And I think the second power play unit looked really good today. Um, But yeah, he's, he's eating up a lot of minutes now and he clearly able to, to handle them. And yeah, he was as soon as he came back. So. Yeah. He, he hit his, Highest minutes total yet on Monday, 23-28 against Tampa. Um, you know who else got a lot, a lot of minutes Monday was Brandon Carlo, 21-55. Um, kind of got – now I wonder if this is just like a matchup thing where, you know, Montgomery saw something he liked about where he thought Carlo would be better with Lindholm, better in, in a higher minutes role than Clifton. But those two kind of flipped, and Carlo was twenty one fifty five, Clifton at seventeen thirty eight. Carlo um, also had like two and a half minutes of penalty killing. Yeah, and and I thought Carlo had a, had a good game. I've been saying it for a while now. Like I, I just think game after game he's been really solid and just making good plays in the defensive zone. Um, you know, I think we we know he's at this point like he's not going to be a flashy offensive player. You're not gonna. He's not going to be doing what Charlie McAvoy and Hampus Lindholm are doing, but you don't need him to. Like if he just keeps it clean in the G zone, that's that's all you want from him. And he's he's been doing that and got rewarded with a bump up to the second pairing, um, or you know, one B pairing or whatever. However you want to classify it, um, he got more minutes, and it's 
you know, it's, again, it's just another sign of the depth that the Bruins have on, on specifically, I would say among like their top five defensemen right now. And, you know, six of when Derek forward eventually comes back, but depending on the matchup, like Montgomery can ride different guys, different nights, you know, you'll see nights where Clifton's going to be above 20 minutes. You'll see nights where Carl is going to be above. Grizzlick's had some fluctuation nights where he plays more if they need more offense or think they're going to be more in possession or his minutes might drop if they're, you know, uh, doing more defending or whatever. And yeah, McAvoy and Lindholm, they're going to be the two horses who are always going to get their minutes in any situation against any team. But, uh, you know, I think Montgomery's figuring out like what he has on everyone else and, uh, you know, when to kind of ride different guys. And um, just want to point out like Monday was, was kind of a, a Carlo game. And, you know, I think he, I think he met the challenge. Well, he had the most shots of any of the defensemen on the team. Uh, I I mean, I can recall a few like slap shots he had. Um, but yeah, so he was putting pucks on net. Uh, and like I said, he had he had three shots. That was more than anyone else. And then Grizzlick and McAvoy both assisted on the the Krejci goal. Um, but yeah, that that was where that was where they were most noticeable, I guess. I didn't think Strawman had a bad game either, um, but he only ended up with 10, 10 minutes, just over ten minutes, um, which is not too unexpected. He's been getting the fewest minutes um, of any of the defensemen when he's been in. So, yeah, it was nice to see Creed Bratton in that that locker room picture with uh, Bergeron afterwards. If you want to zoom in and and see him there. Um, yeah, it's it's the, the team's playing well. I think Matt Grizzlick is a guy that we haven't really talked a whole lot about this year just because he's been so solid, and it's we kind of forget that he was out to start the year too um, and came back early from injury. So every the the versatility you have on the back end, like Scott, you alluded to, it's just um, it's great because because you have there's there's the matchup game is uh, is prevalent in the playoffs as well. Like if you look back at the Bruins 2019 Stanley Cup playoff run. First round against Toronto was completely different than second round against Columbus, right? Like Toronto went seven games and you were on the verge of elimination on Easter Sunday in Toronto. Um, But it was a different type of series. Like there was definitely more wear and tear on their bodies against Columbus. That was more of a, uh, a blue collar team. And then you go and play Carolina who wasn't really ready yet. That was more of a Toronto style series. Again, you swept them. And then obviously St. Louis was a very, very tough series, but you get different opponents over seven games in the playoffs. It's good to have different D combinations that you can go to, depending on who you're playing and what matchups you have, if you're on home ice or way um, and whatnot. So yeah, everybody's, everybody looks good. I want to make a point, another point about the defense, just after, you know, quickly looking through some of the, some of the stats from the game. I Grizzly didn't get, really any special teams time. He didn't get any time on the penalty kill. He had like 12 seconds on the power play. Strawman also no time on special teams. So that's going to the other guys. Yeah. And you know, you don't ideally like you don't really need Grizz like getting special teams time. You know, I'm sure he would like to be on the power play obviously. And he's done a fine job on the power play in the past. But if you have McAvoy and Lindholm in the lineup, like those are the guys who are going to be, 
quarterbacking and power play units and they don't they don't play two two d power play units both units are one d four forwards and and sometimes you know, no d yeah and like maybe that would change later in a game if you're protecting a one goal lead like maybe you throw 2d out there but um yeah or if, or you if, go if everyone else monk- is healthy grizzlick's not playing the power play and you don't need him on the penalty kill like you, you have other guys who can do that it's not he he can do it but it's not really a strong suit so i almost don't even necessarily think it's like an indictment of grizzlick to not get i don't think so special teams time i just think and we know grizzlick's good five on five so like optimize optimize your lineup and get him those minutes he's you know i think he's going to be the first guy out after a lot of power plays or or penalty kills by the way scott you're thinking the opposite of montgomery if it's if it's late in the game and you're up by one you step on their throat you go five guys on the five forwards on the power play try to put it away (laughs) you gotta you gotta step on the dragon's throat i'm sure he would say um (laughs) You know what's funny though? You, you look at the as it pertains to Matt Grizzlick and the and the, the lack of power play time. If you if you pull up the Bruins individual stats this year, um, Hampus Lindholm is second on the Bruins in points behind Pasternak. He's tied with Bergeron for 18 points. So Hampus Lindholm has 18 points in 19 games. As we mentioned earlier, Charlie McAvoy has nine points in six games. If McAvoy had played. 16 games or 17 games like everybody else this year. Um, he's probably second or third on the team in scoring. So if you're Matt Grizzlick, you're you're behind, you know, two you know, two defensemen that are two that could have been two or three in scoring. So it's 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 tough for him to break through in that aspect of the game right now. But they don't need him to. And I think he can just kind of focus on on what he has to do. And and I think I think at times in the past, Grizzlick has gotten a little bit worn out. And I think that to manage his minutes over the course of an 82 game season is probably not a bad thing for him. Um, Bridget, I know you like your goalie talk. We uh, we haven't really talked about Swayman's return to the lineup against the Blackhawks. That was his first game back, right? Yep. Obviously, obviously mm-hmm. the Hawks what didn't present a huge challenge, but he still looked good. Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> not a um, huge challenge, true. Yeah, I think he faced what three shots in the in the first period, so really got eased back in. He looked like um, Julian Cat out there leaning on the crossbar. <laughs> yeah, see, you wonder how he would have fared in today's game against Tampa Bay, where they threw Allmark just right into the fire and and gave up the first nine shots on goal. It was nine nine to nothing to start the game, Tampa Bay, and and at the end of the game too, all of a sudden they got up five one, and then they're just like we got this. And then they're just like, Oh, Mark, you, you can handle the rest. And he got bombarded at the end of the game as well. In those kind of games, you know, I'm glad that wasn't the kind of game Swayman played when he first got back from injury. Well, that's why it was so important to, it, it was very convenient to be able to get him into one of those games before they went out on the throat trip, before they hit this, you know, it's their toughest, toughest three week stretch of the whole season. So getting Swayman kind of that warm up game before Chicago, because you're going to need him on the strip. I'm going to guess he's starting Wednesday against the Panthers. I don't, nothing's announced yet, but um, that's what I would guess. And then Allmark comes back home uh, for the black Friday game against Carolina. But yeah, I think that, you know, I was thinking of it and like, at one point, Jim Montgomery was asked if Swayman would need a 
like an AHL conditioning start. And he was like, no. And it's like, well, you know what? He basically got that. <laughs> like that's, that's kind of what the Blackhawks were. Um, you know, it's, you mentioned the, the fast start Tampa got off to, and it was, I meant to make, make this point earlier, but we had talked on one of the recent podcasts saying like, you know, they needed more complete efforts during this tough stretch because they, you know, they had some games against weaker opponents where they would kind of sleepwalk through the first period or they let up in the second period. And I remember saying like, well, they can't do that against those, those better teams. And then, you know, you got a complete 60 minute effort against Chicago. Well, it turns out that they can do it against better teams and still win because like they did against Tampa. They, you know, they did basically like weren't ready for the start of that game. Uh, they let up at five one and it just, it didn't matter. Like it, it's such a testament to just how good this team is and how, you know, like I, I got the sense uh, once we saw how the Bruins came on the second period and just dominated the lightning and, and got three goals to go up, you know, take a three goal lead. It was like that first period was Tampa's chance. And you feel like if the if you don't put this Bruins team away or put them in a big hole when you get a chance, you're gonna regret it. And and even if you do, you still might not beat them. Like Pittsburgh put the Bruins in a hole and they still came back and beat them. It's they're never gonna be out of the game, but you know, you just get the feeling that if teams catch them off off guard for a period and you only come out of it with a one goal lead, like that's not going to be good enough. Like you, you, you have to try to bury them. Yeah. Allmark has been so good that it's been like, ah, he's, he's handled such a storm every once in a while that you're just like, okay, well, luckily for him, because this could have been a three, nothing hole or whatever. And you want, what this reminds me of um, what you just described is how in the playoffs, there's so like there's such a huge correlation between scoring first and winning and in order to be one of those teams that comes back and get you know say it's a road game and you you need to you need to come back and win um after giving up the first goal this is one of those teams that's like guys no worries <laughs> we we do this all the time we're used to this we got you like it, it's a team that feels like even if it's like a high stakes game on the road playoffs you know this is the kind of team that you still trust to come back and, and to take those games. Yeah. I mean, the, the way they're playing right now and, and how deep they are on paper. Like I, we've all watched a lot of hockey in our lives and we've seen a lot of Bruins teams and we know we can separate the contenders from the pretenders, especially when it pertains to the Bruins. Like there are years when the Bruins make the playoffs, but you just know that they, they have a certain ceiling. Um, I have. We still have to see Carolina. I want to see them play New Jersey, although New Jersey is a very cute little story right now. But they have to do a little. It's really impressive what they're doing. But I'm not going to sit there and call them a, a Eastern Conference power just yet. Um, but like we've seen them play the Rangers. I gotta and, say though, I'm I'm getting there fairly quickly on. Them. I like. I, I'm a no. I'm a fan of the Devils. I I am like I think. Yeah. I think they they're really promising. I'm just saying like. I, I can't I can't say I'm afraid of them just yet. Like I want I can't I can't say that. But yeah. 
you know, you know, but you know, you watch, we've seen the Bruins play already. Um, some of the better teams in the Eastern conference this year, right? Like we saw them play the Rangers in Madison square garden. And you could tell in that game, the Bruins have better structure. They're better defensively. We saw them play the Panthers. We're going to see them play them again tomorrow, but we saw, we know Florida's defensive structure isn't there. It never has been even last year when they were setting records. Yeah. There were offensive records. Uh, we see the Bruins beat Washington. They beat the Penguins. Uh, we just saw them play Tampa. So it's like, and none of these teams, like they just don't present the same depth the Bruins do in addition to their, their, their team structure. So I think for me, like the, the one thing I'm sure people were saying this about Tampa when they got, before they got swept by Columbus. And I'm sure people were talking about this when the Panthers were doing their thing last year, but like the Bruins have too many guys that have been there and done that to let that stuff happen. But like, the one thing the Bruins can't allow to happen when the playoffs get there is forget how to score the dirty goals in the playoffs because a lot of this pretty tic-tac-toe stuff, it's not going to be there in the postseason. And they, they're well aware of that. But well, that's they need when to the hero, Nick Foligno, your your hero, yeah. Nick Foligno, is going to come in handy. Yeah. Well, but even 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 like even even the flashier guys, right? Krejci, Pasternak, like, you know, they, 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 they know. They've been to the finals and they've won finals. You know, not Pasternak, but the other guys. Like, they know – they can't get away with that. So even even that aspect of it, it's like, man, it's just it's just really impressive. The only thing is, anything can happen in the playoffs. Like you, you can you can go you can you can have home ice advantage and you drop the first two games unexpectedly because a goalie stands in their head and all of a sudden it's like you start to panic and anything can happen. But based off everything we've seen so far this year, and this is not coming from a Bruins perspective, like I'm coming from a neutral standpoint here. Like most if not like most teams. And when I say most, I mean, all of them pretty much, they don't have a playmaker like Lindholm and McAvoy on the back end that can like, just be a one man. They just don't have it. Colorado does with McCarr and, and, and Taves, but like, it's just not really out there. I haven't sensed an ounce of panic in like this team, just their, their baseline, like just calmness has been able to carry through and I think that they already play with desperation without playing like frantically. Um, like I, I, you notice that guys just are giving a, their full effort on, on pretty much every shift. Like it's just like, look back at the Felino goal, just diving like that. He's diving at that puck. Like he needs to, you know, tie a game for the Stanley cup or something like they, they don't seem to be a desperate team in terms of you know needing the goals but they act like they're they're all so important so um it it bodes well for the playoffs obviously this is such a hot streak and somebody they were talking to before the game Sophia was talking to before the game on Tampa Bay said like oh you know they're on their hot streak and all hot streaks come to an end but (laughs) I was like I felt like he was being a little salty but um yeah they do but it just seems like there's not going to be an extended part of this season where they're going to be in a hole, like pl- playing bad hockey. And to the to the Devils, they're uh, they're on a 13 game win streak, and that's that's nothing I would have predicted to start the year either. Um, and if you're the Bruins, you hope that because the Bruins play them twice in about a month at the end of December, you hope they. have fallen off a little bit by that point in time and that they're they hit a colder streak by the time the end of December rolls around when you play them. 
get to see uh, who really won the Eric Halla Pavel Zaka trade. I think we already know who won that. I mean, Zaka, Zaka's. Yeah. Even even yeah, I was, but even, Hollow's playing well for the Devils yeah, too. Like he's, he's playing he's bad. He's like, down there. Yeah, he's got like seven, probably seven. He's probably like eight or nine points, and Zaka has what twelve or so. I mean, yeah. I just, I, I just, I, don't know if I just still think, is, but for for a while, Hollow was on like the yeah Hughes the, the, and the number one analytics line in in all the NHL. They were like number one in expected goals and Corsi and uh, and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, you not know, not to shit on him, but his fit. He didn't have a great fit here, and maybe he has a better fit there, and that's good for him. And and Zaka, you had a source, Brian, aka a Devils fan that you talked to. I think it was you that said, "Yeah, oh yeah, good luck with good luck with Pavel Zaka." Yeah, because people there thought that he wasn't a great fit in New Jersey, so maybe they just both found better fits. I I will say, like, and I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but when when I watch Zaka, like. I notice him more off the score sheet than I ever did with Halla. Like he seems, yeah. he seems to be more engaged in the play. He he's like he's you know he's he's part he's he's part of the game when when like he's doing giving go to the guys. He's stick lifting. He's back checking. And that's not to knock Halla because like Halla always seemed to be trying to get back and stuff. He just was like, I just don't know if he has the hockey IQ that Zaka has. I guess that's probably yeah. the best way I can describe and, it. And you saw that like especially in the playoffs where. You know, I think in the second half of the season, that Hall, Hall of Pasternak line, like they did put legitimate effort into trying to improve defensively. But in the playoffs against Carolina, that line struggled in its own zone. And it really starts with Hollow. Like he was, he was missing assignments. He, you know, he's just, he's never been a particularly strong defensive player. And that was asking more of him than he was probably capable of delivering. So yeah, Zaka fits what fits what the Bruins needed more. And I think, you know, again, Hollow was effective playing between Hall and Pasternak last year. Prior to that, when he was playing in the bottom six, he was not effective. So I think Zaka just gives him more flexibility. He's more likely to to help that third line. Um if that's where, you know, where he ends up. Obviously he's back up on the second line right now, but um yeah, I would say so far everyone's happy with that trade. Um, you know, we'll see if see if that continues, but certainly Zaka seems to be a, a better fit for the Bruins. Well, New Jersey didn't want to pay Zaka, right? That was like their biggest thing. Yeah, it, I don't I, I don't know if New Jersey was down on Zaka as a player necessarily. They just didn't think that he was worth the going to arbitration and giving up committing to him for more than a couple more years at four plus, whatever you know. Yeah, and it'll um, be interesting to see since he's only here in Boston on a one-year deal, um, what extension talks would look like with him at some point. Um, because this year was kind of a tryout, but based on everything that Zaka and um, management said, it was more just so like, okay, we want you to be here long term. We're gonna do the one-year trial, make sure everything is as we expect it to be. And so he's somebody else that. It's kind of playing for a contract as well. It's really interesting because a lot of people who, a lot of out of market people that are talking about the Bruins and this and that, and like they're they're really harping on the whole the last dance for Boston and how Boston's going all in and 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 part of their argument or reasoning as to why is because they list all the 
free agents up front for the Bruins. Actually, on the roster in general, the Bruins have a ton of UFAs slash um, RFAs, I think, on the books this this offseason. And people that are calling it the last dance are kind of going under the impression like that most of those people won't be back. I mean, I, I like to think that a, a lot of them probably will be. And then we'll see what happens at the center ice position. But it's uh, – Zaka's one of them. I mean, people – People are people are acting like the Bruins was gonna t- like not be competitive next year if if uh so I guess we'll see I'd be the Bruins might surprise me and just kind of depending on what happens this year let 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 people walk but I think Zaka they'll probably want to resign him along with some other another handful of guys like like Clifton's a guy for example that they they probably want to resign right or is he gonna go to the op- is he gonna get paid somewhere else uh you know no sick. Obviously, we said Pasternak and, and others, Krejci. Like, there's, there's, there's a, there's a lot of Trent Frederick. There's a lot of decisions to be made in the offseason. So that's why I don't want to look too far ahead. But it is interesting. You bring up um, his his kind of show me year here with the Bruins. Like, mm-hmm. are the, if he does show them, are the Bruins going to pay him, or are they going to let him kind of walk? It it depends what their what their goal is going to next year. Like we know, they've said that, that rebuilds aren't accepted in Boston. So if that's their philosophy, then that's their philosophy. But we'll see if that changes. But apparently, scumbags are accepted. So. Yeah, we've yeah, learned we've cool. learned that uh, they'll allow a scumbag here or there. Um, anyhow, we are getting late, and we have a fashion segment to get to. Um, so Scott, you open this up because you're the one who sent us the the pictures. Yeah, so uh, Uni Watch, I would say probably the foremost authority on all things sports uniforms. Um, someone sent them a Bruins jersey that was hanging in a store somewhere in Canada um, of what certainly appears to be the Bruins Winter Classic jersey. Seems like some store jumped the gun and leaked it early and has it out on, on or had it out on shelves. Um, we, we tweeted this from at the skate pod on Twitter, so you can check it out there if you haven't seen it. Um, but it has, you know, the, the word mark and the, uh, affectionately known as meth bear logo that had, had already been, um, the Bruins had already revealed that that was their logo for the winter classic. So that checks out the rest of the Jersey is um a black design kind of like with some waves in it and then yellow stripes yellow on the shoulders um brian or bridget do you want to you want to give your reaction first well i just want to say that (laughs) this is so stupid (laughs) from the store because the jerseys i don't know when they're supposed to actually like say what they were do you guys know when the actual like Friday. It's this Friday, yeah. I guess that's not too bad then, because we're we're not we're less than a week away. But they all say order by November twenty seventh, and they say crested by Christmas. So they're like trying to do a Christmas sale on these, and so they they jump the gun. Um, but I was hoping for a little bit more. I mean, I was hoping, you know, how they have the Pooh Bears. I was hoping big meth bear, big as you can put them, right in the middle. Um. I don't even need it to say Boston, just meth bear. That would have been cool with me. And I think Brian's right in our group chat to say that the cream color, that the Boston is a cross in cream. 
Um, Meth Bear is outlined in cream, but it's missing more like that cream color in the bands that are on the arms. Uh, and I think that that would have been a nicer look there. It would have been more classic-y. You know, the, the brighter Bruins color to me is not as classic, like throwback as maybe a little bit of a lighter yellow, like that creamy color. Yeah, I think it. I think it lacks contrast. Is is kind of where I was getting at with that. Like, I think. I think, if uh, if you guys are looking at it, I think on the sleeves there's there's one too many of those yellow. But this is if 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 we're going with this jersey that they already are using. This is my edits to it. It's not what I would do in general, but with this jersey, what I would do is I would take one of the yellows, the third yellow stripe off the cuff of the sleeve so that's just two yellows and then insert the the beige boston color in sandwich in between do that on both sleeves and on the bottom and then i'll put that cream uh that beige color i'll add a striping to the underneath the shoulders too to kind of get some color up there um but i like bridge's idea i would have gone if i if this was this was from scratch i would have gone full size meth bear um which i think was it Ty Anderson or DJ Bean? Somebody said on Twitter like a few weeks ago or last week that it used to be called the Crack Bear, and then people some sometimes started calling it the Meth Bear. But I would go with that. I would have gone with the Meth Bear, big Meth Bear on the front with like a with like a white template. I w- I probably would have done like the um like the Ray Bork Cam Neely era jerseys with the Meth Bear from that era. Uh, I I kind of feel like I'm looking at like a Pittsburgh Pirates baseball jersey and it's like they're playing the penguins they're at fenway i don't know if they're going like a baseball theme or something i just it doesn't look like a bruins jersey to me it just looks like a hockey night in boston jersey or something by the way brian maybe he switched his drug of choice at some point along the way and he stepped it up to meth it's possible it's possible that that bears that bear looks a little crazy or or like we talked about before maybe he was just chugging chugging the dayquil uh, yeah. Uh, either way. That's what Scott looked yeah. like. You could just this is pretty much just what Scott looked like this morning. <laughs> um yeah, I've been I've been battling a bit of a cold. If if anyone's picked up on that, I don't think I sound too bad, but I don't know. Maybe day to day flu like symptoms. Um yeah, I, I agree with what you guys said. I also don't like the the shoulders on it, like this kind of yellow patch look. I don't know. I just don't, I don't like that. It looks too much like a practice jersey or something. I think what we're all saying is less would have been more. Like well, less and, striping and like like well, yeah. literally simple bare. Yeah, middle. like and to, to your point about like the you know this cream color like not being anywhere in the stripes or you know even as trim. It, it's like it's almost like the jersey's doing two different things. Like one's just this black and yellow where it's not even going to have any white trim anywhere and then you get this word mark in the in the bear with the cream color but it's like well that's just for the crest and then it and it's in the uh it's in the little you know string tie at the top but then it's not anywhere else i also don't like it in the string tie I've always I've always liked the ties on jerseys. No, in I just mean the color. I don't don't like oh. the cream there. I like oh. would have liked it elsewhere. Well, well, I like the cream tie better than if it was a that yellow as a oh, tie. Yeah. Not, yeah. not even too much. I just I think it just looks incomplete to me. And also, if you look 
at the 2016 Winter Classic jersey, it's not that much different. It's like, come on, guys, could you could you not like you know switched up a little bit? You're gonna go because that I thought the same thing with that jersey too. I know some people like that jersey. I never I always thought it was boring as hell. It was like watching grass grow. But like that jersey, I felt the same way. It's like you can't. I don't like a black base with like just yellow and no no lighter color to comp to make things pop. It's just too. Now this this yellow appears to be brighter than the one that they use at, at Gillette, but it's just I don't know. I think it was a missed opportunity. I also think when you're playing the Penguins, you have to imagine that the Penguins are gonna probably clash with them. So it's like the less black and gold solely would have helped differentiate yourself. I don't know. I guess we'll have to see the the rest of the con the rest of the um, no. uniform. Yeah. Where where was the store? It was somewhere hmm? in Canada. Okay. I mean, do you think someone just has like a grandma with skills and she just like sewed this shit together? No, because you, <laughs> you can see the um, you can Guys, see the I'm, cra- I'm pretty crafty, just <laughs> yeah, you I are. don't think I could have done this whole thing, but like I could probably make some sort of a fake of, of like something. So I'm just saying, some, some, somebody got their maybe somebody got their grandma to just like really fuck with us they're like someone in toronto was like i'm gonna fuck with all these bruins peeps yeah except the back of the the back of the neck collars specifies the date and and it's got the fenway theme so that's maybe grandma's real talented and did that too but (laughs) i'm not sure she would have to have a a a lot of um prep work for that And yeah. by the way, there's also like some of those breathable parts of it. Well, I don't know if she has that material to work with. <laughs> I mean, I don't doubt guys that like on, on you know, with Fenway, with Fenway in the background, you know, black helmets. I'm sure the socks will be black with two yellow stripes. They might have some cool gloves. I'm sure. I'm sure on, I'm sure it'll pop on the, on the white ice with the Fenway background. I, ju- I do just think it was a bit of a missed opportunity, but. So it, it, I, yeah. if I was giving it a grade, I'd give it like a C plus maybe or an I for incomplete. But yeah, I think like C plus sounds right. And you know, sometimes you see a jersey like up close, and you're not really sold. Then you see it on the uniform, you see it, you know, guys get out on the ice and it, and you like it more. Maybe that'll happen here. But yeah, first impression is a little disappointed because I feel like there was a great jersey to be made here and this doesn't this isn't it for me what they should do is they should like make a poll (laughs) they should like like mock up like five options and just like throw it on the internet and just take feedback take they'll sell more i know they need to make Mm. you know it's all mysterious which is stupid it should be crowdsourced and Brian's probably already in their DMs anyway, um, like he was with the Team <laughs> USA uniforms. But <laughs> I yeah, think I that, mean, that yeah. would be better. You know, I think Speaking the Bruins... of Team USA uniforms, yeah, USA's World World Cup uniforms, trash. Yeah, Just I know you, you you vented about that when they I think they debuted them or something like that on online over the summer, and you were you were shitting on them then because it's because it's they're. I th- or or maybe maybe you tweeted but like um like there should be a template where like I'm not making this up I saw this so I'm not taking credit for this I think you may have retweeted like they had like a USA soccer jersey and the two jerseys was like one was just like the red and white stripes of the flag as the uniform 
which is sick. And then the blue jerseys was like, you know, the 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 blue part of the flag with the with the with the uh, fifty stars, and it's like instead, you know, something kind of you know patriotic, you know. Um, but instead, they just go with like, you know, it looks like a like a slushy from Dunkin' Donuts, a blueberry slushy. Yeah, well, and and we're not a soccer podcast, so I won't go on 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 this too long. <laughs> already already took out. us took us off off track, but it, it's the same. But it's the same thing that different uniform providers are doing, like across the board in different sports, which is like they come up with one base design and then like eight different countries use it. So like yeah. the the US USA soccer has like this stupid blue it almost looks like a boomerang like below the neck and it's like a bunch of other countries have the same thing because they're all using the same nike like base model and whatever looks dumb but like we've seen in the olympics with hockey it's they should take fan submissions brian would spend a lot more time on photoshop um Mm -hmm. but (laughs) it would be in the end it would be worth it i used to i used to buy the nhl video games just to create create like 20 teams and create new uniforms um <laughs> that, that adds up that actually yeah, yeah. adds up yeah yeah I'm, I'm a little tapped um i i would i would ask you guys your favorite thanksgiving I, sides but i think we all have the same answer leftover t- hot turkey sandwiches so I, don't uh, <laughs> uh, nope. I think we've done this segment Mine. last year maybe that's eh, once a year my, my mind's stuffing always the stuffing oh yeah yeah no stuffing yeah that's true side dish stuffing for sure all right, guys, do we have anything else before we take off? No. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to all our listeners. We'll, we're planning to record our next one after the Black Friday game. So uh, we'll we'll see everyone after Thanksgiving. That we will. All right, thank you guys for listening. As Scott said, enjoy your holiday. We'll talk to you guys soon. Mm-hmm.